We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Oh, Alphas. I'm so in love with that guy that I see in the mirror every day. I'm just brushing my teeth going, God, people get to look at you. But it gets to be old, and I want, I want some love in my life. And I want to join the auxiliary. So if there is a veteran lady out there who wants to also look and admire this face as one of their favorite things on earth, then I invite you to reach out to me today. Someone who is in love in the military, or as a military spouse, is Ashley Goodermuth. You, you know her from Tango Alpha Lima, but probably you know her from every social media site that exists because she dominates them all when you're not dominating all this when you're not dominating all the socials and loving on your fans how is valentine's day is a military spouse valentine's day doesn't exist for military spouse jeff that's what you'll learn when you find your new love um I have had lots of times where my husband's just been away, you know, he's been deployed while um, over Valentine's Day. He's just had like a conference that came up, which sounds super shady. Like, sorry, got to go to this conference, this one day conference. It's just on Valentine's Day. I think he's got a secret family, but I'm not going to worry about it because, you know, retirement soon. Uh, eh, what, kind, what kind of lady are you looking for? What, what do you what do you uh, what are your needs? Should I accelerate my cancellation? Um, yeah. I'm a man of simple needs. I require mm-hmm. two things two. above average looks. She'll have to be above average looks okay. and below average self-esteem. So she doesn't know about the above average looks. I think that's the perfect match for me. Do you need her to do anything weird like spray Lotrimin on your feet or anything like that? Or just... Oh my God, if she even looks at my feet, we're getting divorced. I hate feet. I don't like people she who like feet. She can't look at your feet. She, can, no. she cannot have feet and she can't look at your feet. <laughs> oh my goodness, feet. I'm, okay. I, I'm annoyed that we have a measurement that uses the word feet. Oh, maybe you could go metric. No, I'm an American. There's Are one you? thing I love on Valentine's Day. It's, it's America. America. <laughs> That's who we're all in love with uh, this Valentine's Day. America. What do you get in America for Valentine's Day, Jeff? I'm taking around for a sweet steak dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> and then you'll eat it for America? I'll eat it for America. Yeah, I'll get yeah. The, the baked potato and I'll take a little bit of it home, you know, because that's what she likes. She likes just a little bit of leftovers. Yeah. I'm actually touched right now. I Don't do that <sighs> on the air. The prospect, the prospect of love. It's out there, I'm sure. Um, maybe. I mean, I know love exists. I've yeah, seen it. love exists. For God's sakes, Jeff, though, your standards are too high. You need to find somebody that will put up with you for a few months, and then it's just too much of a pain to leave. That's all that's, love is. That's all love is. <laughs> love is that wonderful convenience that you split the bills with, and you live a you live a you live a better life because you're combining income. That's. Yeah, my nice. husband ha- has been in the military for a long time and is good with money. I am a stand-up comedian 
that um, spends a lot of time in dumpsters and spends most of her money on like pop rocks. So I am not a good financial investment uh, in case anyone out there is looking to marry me. My husband's 20 years older at some point, and you know, it might happen again, but <clears throat> You gotta, you gotta really be sure, you know, ask those hard questions. What, what are your values? How do you want to spend an evening? You know, these are the things that you should be talking What's your to favorite about. favorite pop rock flavor? Green. Okay. Yeah. Pop there... rocks are to the military spouse what crayons are to the Marines. Oh, they love them so much. Balanced breakfast. There you go. All right. As much as we, as much as we love our banter, because we're adorable, uh, we do have a show to do, and Holly's going to get twitchy real soon if we don't move on. That's super producer Holly, who America loves. All right, so this first one you're going to, uh, you're going to talk about our love of America a little bit, I think, or our love of veterans. Urgh. Urgh. Is that, is that like the raw? It's uh, Amer love of veterans. Veterans just go. Uh. Uh. <clears throat> All right, let's talk the, talk about this. The Legion lines out priorities for the 118th Congress uh, by the American Legion. This article: funding, oversight, and fulfillment of the landmark hiring our promise to address comprehensive toxics or the PACT Act, and heightened attention and access to mental health care for veterans are among the legislative priorities the American Legion is presenting to Congress during the Washington Conference, February 26th through March 1st. <clears throat> the PACT Act, signed into law last August, accomplished one of the American Legion's highest agenda items for 2022. The measure expands VA health care services and disability benefits eligibility for more than 3.5 million veterans exposed to burn pits in the global war on terrorism, along with others with health care conditions attributable to toxic contamination during military service. Properly funded implementation and oversight are the next steps, the Legion argues. Also on the organization's radar for the first session of the 118th Congress are protection from predatory exploitation of veterans seeking help applying for VA benefits or Camp Lejeune Justice Act lawsuit damages, a more level playing field for National Guard veterans using their GI Bill benefits, support for Afghan allies of the U.S. military, and an update U.S. flag code are also included in this year's message to lawmakers. American Legion National Commander Vincent, hey, Vincent, can't even say Vincent, American Legion National Commander Vincent J. Jim Triola will deliver the Legion's testimony before a joint session of the House and Senate Committees on Veterans Affairs on March 1st. I'll be watching. I think that's awesome. Uh, another part of this article, we talk about military quality of life. That's something that's super important to me. And adds, I know it's all important to a lot of military families. Um, the U.S. military's greatest resources are individual service members and their families. Without highly qualified and committed men and women, even the most sophisticated weaponry will not provide the deterrent necessary to defend our nation. Factors that contribute to quality of life include proper compensation, career development, appropriate housing, quality health care, reasonably priced commissaries, and access to affordable daycare. Yes, the American Legion urges Congress to pass legislation that would increase access to child care for military families, increase appropriations to address matters involving service member food insecurity, and increase funding to renovate military housing. All of those things. Nailed it, Legion. Again and again. Pummel this to death. I love it. Woo! Woo! That, was, that was violent. Uh, <laughs> Me and my 100, 
I gotta start at the top first in my reaction. Okay. We're so young as a country. We have people that have lived longer than we've had members of Congress, right? Has anybody lived oldest, to 118? I think people, there. the oldest woman I think was like 128. Yeah, we've had people on this earth. That our country is younger than some humans have lived. That's amazing wow. to me. Anyway, um, I love I love that that Jim Triola, his first name is Vincent. No, he never goes by Vincent. <laughs> I'm surprised he allows you guys to put his name there like that. Uh, he's a good guy. He watches he watches or listens to this Hello, show. Sir. I know that because when I met him, he asked me how my health was because he'd been following on the on the on the program. Hello. So that's awesome, and I'm excited for him to to talk to the uh, House and Senate on this because he's got that he's got a nice voice. It's got that New York thing that people kind of that blue collary New York kind of thing. That he's like, hey, you we listen. need quality you of life. Yeah, he's like, you better listen to me. I'm America. I'm <laughs> speaking for America. I am. Look. This is America. So, and, and to your thing, we, we've talked about it before, and, and, and I know that it's not just a passion of yours, you, and you're not just out there saying, this is a problem, this is a problem. You're, you're actively trying to be part of the solution, which I think is great, which uh, that's why I voted for you in, in that contest. Unfortunately, this will air too late. Oh, the military spouse of the year awards. Well, it all culminates in May. So uh, hopefully they can vote again with your vote. Uh, yes, they will be able to vote again in May. Yeah. Oh, I know. You could be the military spouse of the year. I know. Right. How will my husband ever win an argument again? He hasn't yet. But how will he win one in the future? If I'm just like, he's like, actually, I don't really like what you did there. And I'm like, why don't you go find a better spouse? No, you point to your uh, <laughs> your cert. Yeah, just ask ask the cert what kind of uh, what kind of wife I am. That's so right. I, I do love that. That's a priority. I do love some of. Um, if you go through the article again, uh, if you read the whole article out there, alphas, you'll see there's there's things that go along with things in the Legion culture, uh, the be the one culture. They're really focusing in on on. Uh, veteran suicide in a real way, not just talking about it, talking about investing in uh, alternative treatments. They're talking about investing, um, just investing in the the network that's available for people. And you can read all that later if you go to legion.org forward slash legislative. Uh, there's more info there. That wasn't from me. I'm not that smart. That was from super producer Holly. She's, so Holly. Uh, she's on top of all of these things and, and throws it down on my shoulders and I have to like Atlas. I'm glad you're here. Actually. Me too. I'm glad you're here. 118, 118th Congress. We're watching. Get it right. That's right. Um, we're going to, we, you know what? We're going to go away from Congress for a second. And I appreciate your, you you have a very pleasant reading voice. I don't know when, if you moonlight, Wait, you can't moonlight from comedy because it's always at night. If you have a daylight job, you should do some books on tape. I do. I am a trained voiceover actor. Okay. Yeah. If you need a voiceover actor, there's Ashley Gudermuth. Right Ashley. There. there you go. Thank you. All right. Hear my reel on AshleyGudermuth.com. 
Ooh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's going to be my ringtone is whatever's on your reel. Mm, you should do it. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to other topics. Today, we'll be joined by Jeffrey Brodeur, who has experienced developing chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, or if you just want to say CBRN, strategy, plans, and training programs. Jeffrey is an internationally recognized CBRN expert and has led survey teams in combat zones to, to support Department of State programs. We're going to be right back with Jeffrey Burdour right after the break. By pulling out your cell phone and simply typing www.legion.org forward slash action, you have at your fingertips our legislative priorities. With one press of a button, you can let your congressmen and your senators know what the American Legion wants to pass and you can do it every single day. The power is in our hands. You just have to take the opportunity to use it. All right, Alphas, we are back and things are gonna get chemically up in here. Uh, we have an expert in things that I can't pronounce. So we're gonna let Jeffrey Brodeur do that today. And welcome to the Tango Alpha Lima experience, sir. Thank you very much. Happy what to is be here. Thanks for what is that that you're wearing? Well, you know, the first time on this show, and so I previewed like a good ranger. I had to do a reconnaissance of the objective. I saw that poncho liner in the background and decided <laughs> my sport coat would not cut it. So I just had to go a little tactical on you. I'm a little old ranger, but I'm still a ranger. All right. I love it when people <laughs> represent. There you go. There you go. All right, sir. You see Ashley up there. She's the mean Hi, one. She's, she's the mean one. I will come back with the lighter fare, but you're going to start out with the tough journalist, Ashley Gutermuth. Tough yeah. journalist, Ashley Gutermuth. All right, Jeff, please. What is presumptive? I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> presumptive identification and why is it important? So um, I deal in the world of chemical, biological, radiological, nu nuclear warfare. Some people call it weapons of mass destruction. I'm happy to find a captive audience to talk to talk about because you're very rare, trust me. Um, in the case of chemical warfare or chemistry, um, when I send that sample to a laboratory and all the scientists and PhDs do their tests, they can come back and they certify on a piece of paper and they say, this is what it is. It is sarin nerve agent, right? Any tests done before that laboratory and the certified and credentialed skill sets and laboratories say that it's sarin nerve agent is some technician like me that's out in the world with a piece of equipment and the science that I have is so exact. I am 99.9% .9 sure it's presumptive. It, it is what it is. It is sarin nerve agent. That's called, that's called presumptive identification. Um, so presumptive is, I can't certify it. It's not admissible in a case of law and in, in a court of law, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's important because it informs my tactical decisions on how I do my survey. That's different from detection, which tells me it's nerve agent. I don't know what kind it is, but it is nerve agent. Mm. And there are a variety of nerve agents out there. Um, and 
Chemical warfare agents come in a huge variety. Remember, chemical warfare agents were born out of military action, World War I, right? So we have choking agents, we have blood agents, we have persistent agents. Think of the consistency of oatmeal that sticks on the ground and doesn't go away for sometimes a really long time. Um, and we have non-persistent agents that are generally a respiratory hazard and can dissipate in minutes. All of those have a very specific task and purpose for the, for the, for the battleground. Um, presumptive ID is important for somebody like me. That allows me to go up onto a facility or to an objective, and if I test the sample, and I know that it's sarin nerve agent, that informs how I adjust my personal protective equipment, how I decontaminate it, how I advise on medical therapy and casualty management. When I do site exploitation, if I come across precursors, if um, and there are two precursors there, and I know, and there's a third one that I need to look for. Presumptive idea, Raman spectroscopy uh, gives me the information that I need. Um, in order to do my job. So flip back 10 or 15 years ago, I would have had to take, put something in a bottle, put it in an envelope, send it to a field lab that normally has a backlog of about 90 days. And then I go back to the facility. Well, chemistry is chemistry. Some of it gets dirty. Some of it evaporates. It's just not there. I said something that made your eyes kind of go like this, Raman spectroscopy. So here's what Raman spectroscopy is. Raman spectroscopy, think of it this way. We have a molecule, which is three or more elements, and they're bound together by sharing an electron. So that's a covalent bond. Two elements normally are like a positive and negative charge, and that's what keeps them together. The difference is, is that Raman spectroscopy takes a passive laser and it energizes that molecule, which causes it to vibrate and rotate. That's the fingerprint. It captures the fingerprint and compares it to a digital library and tells me exactly what it is, presumptive ID, 99.1%. If I have an ionic bond, the energy of the passive laser will cause those elements to break away. It's just enough because they're not held together very strongly. They break away and then they're just elements, right? So everything that I'm looking for, chemical warfare agents, their precursors, homemade explosive, their precursors, illegal substances, pharmaceuticals, all of those are precursors. Why are pharmaceuticals important for my business? 2012 in October in a Moscow theater, it's documented the Russians introduced fentanyl into a hostage rescue crisis. They didn't get the chemistry just right. Everybody ended up dying. Unfortunately, the doctors didn't know what they were exposed to. But if you take, if I go to a hospital and I go to the pharmacy, I go to that back wall that's for the anesthesiologist, everything in there incapacitates, just like what a chemical warfare agent was designed to do. That's a dual purpose agent. I can now employ that pharmaceutical in a novel way. Wow. Um, I, I wonder if I can get college credit. That was a, that was a lot of, was a lot of information that um, I, it's out of my wheelhouse. So it's, it's all new to me. I'm still processing some of it. If, the the backpack part leads me to wonder tactically if somebody there who doesn't have your level of expertise 
has it been has it been um, made accessible for for ground troops? Oh, absolutely, and it is. It's available, um, so it's being fielded for to uh, um, our devices being fielded. The Rigaku analytical devices uh, being fielded in the dismounted reconnaissance sets, kits, and outfits. Um, and and is there a lot of is there a lot of training that is involved in this, or could these things be deployed pretty uh, quickly? You, you, honestly, the beauty of the science and the the engineering that went into this device is you literally will press a button three times, right? Oh. It's basically arm the laser, interrogate the sample, and a report is generated in 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Now, here's a beauty about Raman spectroscopy, and that is that my sample can be in an enclosed vial. Don't open the lid. You don't need to, right? Because that no. passive laser goes through transparent, translucent containers. I don't need, I'm not measuring the vapor pressure or the boiling point or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not doing traditional chemistry. I'm introducing a passive laser. And the instrument is reading the response to that passive laser. Right. So that's the other nice thing about the Rigaku analytical devices that I don't have to expose myself to the threat. Right. I can keep the container closed if I need to. Um, when I when I respond to an incident, it's always mass chaos. So nothing is ever sealed. There's always a respiratory hazard out there. Um, so sometimes we will. Um, I will take a, a cotton swab and I'll swipe the sample, put it in a double Ziploc bag and bring it back to the Toyota Land Cruiser where my device is. And um, I, will, I, will, I will do the testing there. I said, presumptive ID in a backpack. Here's why that's important. I retired from the army 30 years in the, in the CBRN branch, the chemical Corps of the US Army. When, when I retired in 2014, the only way for me to gain presumptive identification was in the back of a $1.2 million combat vehicle that had a laboratory in the back end, but it was cool. It shot back, but it was a huge, we took a laboratory piece of equipment and we painted it green and we shoved it in the back of a, a striker vehicle, $1.2 million a copy. Right. And, and that thing weighed a lot. Now I've got something that is handheld and it literally goes in the ba my backpack with my lickies and chewies and my Gatorade and everything else. And so it's available it's, for it's a, it, it's, it's amazing. Right. So I, I, I can, I can bring my instrument to the objective, whether that's on the 15th floor or a hole in the ground. I don't, I don't have to drive a combat vehicle in there. It's me. It's not a crew of four people. So the cost efficiencies are incredible. And I receive the same level of presumptive ID. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I, so you retired in 2014, but in 2018 is when you completed your to toxic chemical survey project in Iraq. How did you end up back there? Um, I had a very, very good friend in um, uh, December of 2017, who called me up as I'm walking through a grocery store 
Um, and he said, Jeff, how'd you like to go back to Iraq this time as a civilian, not a soldier? I said, I thought you'd never ask. When am I leaving? <laughs> um, at, at, the, at the time, I don't know if you remember, but in October 2017, the Australian um, um, government detained an ISIS member on an aircraft who tried to employ an improvised chemical device on an airplane while in flight. Wow. Um, so you have a you, you have a, you contained uh, space, only so many oxygen molecules. It could have been disastrous. Um, we found the same sort of device in Iraq and a number of private industry companies had contracts with the United Nations to demine all of the minefields that were left behind from 20, 30 years worth of combat against a number of opposing forces. This time it was with ISIS. Um, and so they, the explosive ordnance disposal technicians did not have the skill set to recognize, mitigate, um, or respond to um, a chemical threat. So they sent me out west to receive my classified briefing. I went back to Iraq um, and I was able to provide some techniques to EOD technicians on how to, first of all, um, understand what, what they're looking for, um, how to mitigate it if they ever come across it. Um, after two weeks, I called back and I said, my job is done. They said, Jeff, we still have more money. Go find stuff. I said, what does stuff mean? They go, well, what you do best, CBRN. I said, okay. I said, do you have any leads? Do you have a target list? They said, no. So having been to Iraq a couple of times, I called up my friends at Babylon University. Academics are the most amazing human beings in the world. They don't necessarily lie on a party side. Um, they're not uh, loyal to necessarily an ideology. They just love their country. Almost all of them with terminal degrees, PhDs or doctor of management or something, educated in Western Europe or the United States or both. So they knew what right looked like and they were trying to get their country back on track. And I'm out trying to find the stuff. And so um, my good friend said, absolutely. Uh, we sat down at a hotel. I told him what I needed to do. Uh, he said, you've got a, uh, a, um, an interview tomorrow at two o'clock up in Mosul, which is in northern Iraq. And so I spent um, three tours, um, almost exclusively focused in the Mosul area um and a little bit far west uh, as a private citizen under in a private contract and so um i had my my common sense and my experience as a soldier to sort of guide where i went and where i didn't go bottom line is what i think i discovered was that in the pursuit of improvised explosive devices isis went through mosul university and when I say the same term, Mosul University, think of it as just like me saying the University of Texas system. It is not a university. It's an overarching term for about 16 universities. You have the undergrad, the nursing school, the medical school, the pharmacy school, the, the vets, eh, 16 of them, right? All different disciplines, 210 chemistry laboratories, all of them ransacked because ISIS was harvesting chemicals 
in the pursuit of explosive homemade explosives and, and provides explosive devices. And so what they didn't use in the chemistry lab, they just trashed the place and it was a mess. And so it was one place where I learned, a, I relearned a lesson. I didn't relearn, I remembered a lesson. Those are the right terms. I remembered when you do a toxic chemical survey and you see a puddle on the floor, never assume it's water. <laughs> Don't lick it. Nope. No, uh, 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 <laughs> it'll burn the soles right off. Right. And so um, it, it's probably an acid, a strong base, something flammable. You just you don't assume it's water unless you test it and, and uh, th that it's water. So um, 210 chemistry laboratories, a central chemical um, storage facility, um, co-ops with fertilizer, all of those completely ransacked. And it was my impression, my observation that ISIS didn't want anybody using that facility afterwards. So they just trashed it. They just poured stuff. They broke bottles. They threw them outside. They set stuff on fire um, and just kind of destroyed it for anybody else to kind of follow up and, and go in and use. And then what they traditionally would do is they would, ISIS would occupy a residential neighborhood. And I went up um, and we did a survey on one. So a residential neighborhood where they don't have side yards, it's, we would call them um, um, townhomes, right? So they're side to side, they side, each one of the townhomes share a side um, and they're two stories. Um, and so house number one is an example would be station number one of putting together the ID. House number five would be the final step and they would blow the side out of the house so they didn't have to go out the front door and in the other front door, they could just walk through the hole and go to, and every, and they did all of the assembly in the kitchen. Okay. That's where you do chemistry is in the kitchen. It's got the counter space. It's got your plumbing. It's got everything that you need. Mm -hmm. And then station number five, they put a fuse through it in the back of the truck and they made for distribution across the country. Any, so at the end of my last tour, our, our mission matured to the point where um, we would respond when the Iraqi army displaced ISIS, we would go to the home or to the facility. We do a toxic chem survey before the family made supper because they had been displaced for three, sometimes four years. They were excited to go back home. The first thing they wanted to do was break bread and then they'll clean up the mess that is inside there. So it was kind of our job to make sure that there wasn't an invisible threat there, right? And so the remediation in that sort of context, when you just have residual is clean it up, wipe it up, um, and then uh, begin cooking supper. Um, so that's that's kind of what I did. The beauty about having presumptive ID is that I was able to, we were able to know within 45 seconds after testing the sample, exactly what the chemistry was that we were working with. So interesting. That's. Um... Observation, then a question. It's interesting to me that you you got that phone, that initial phone call in the grocery store, and many people would say we need that laser in the grocery store for the things they're selling us to eat. That we could probably save ourselves from eating a bunch of chemicals. Uh, I, there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot about toxic exposure in legislation. Legislation that the Legion. Um, was was really supportive of the the PACT Act, the toxic exposure thing. Is there is there anything now to mandate 
putting uh, and fund, obviously, the, 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 the things that you're talking about so that we don't have, I mean, there's, we're looking at, we're looking at a lot of people that are going to get sick in the next 10 to 20 years from uh, toxic, toxic exposure. Do, are these things that you're talking about that can warn us about that? Are they being mandated? So the, the, the chemist, the, the, the technology that I'm talking about um, um, applies to liquids, solids, and powders. Okay. Um, in, in the case of, I think you're referring to burn pit. Um, they, um, I mean, that's, that's a respiratory hazard. Okay. Um, and, and many of those respiratory hazards are actually solids kind of floating through the air, right? And then we breathe that in and then it does crazy stuff to our system. Um, here's the, the challenge. I believe in your cause and I pat you on the back for the, for the cause, but here, here's the challenge with the way I see it. The desert of Iraq, it is a, is, is a very, very dirty place to live. Okay. Um, remember we took almost all of our gunshot wounds and we sent that casualty to, uh, to Germany because we had so many um, drug resistant bacteria just in nature because the Iraqis were able to self-medicate. You can buy anything at the pharmacy in Iraq. Anything. I had, I, I mean, I, I had security while I was a civilian. They asked me, Jeff, do you want to carry a weapon? I said, I'm not a soldier. If I, if I hit somebody with a bullet, I'm going to jail. <laughs> And in Iraq, and I don't have a lawyer, and I'm not into that. I mean, somebody needs to protect me. And and now, if the bodyguard goes down, I'm I'm help happy to pick up the weapon and continue the fight. But I'm not shooting the first round. There's no way. Um, but all of them were hulking human beings, sculptured with muscle. And and most of them, you know, did their weekly run to to get steroids at the pharmacies. You can you can get just about any you can get just about anything you want at the pharmacy. I'm telling you. Yeah. So they would they would do their workout, and when they were resting in between sweat sets, they'd smoke a cigarette. And I'm going, how are you doing this? I mean, they're like, oh, oh wow, they're I've all juiced. Got, I've got juice. I've got juice. Um, wow. Anyway, so my only point is. The desert is a very dirty place. There's anthrax that's naturally occurring because of the livestock that roam it. There's bacteria that's drug resistant. There is, if you took a sample of what's in the desert and, and, and just became situationally aware of what we're exposed to, disclude the burn pits, okay? Mm -hmm. Just everything that is natural that is there and say, you're gonna go fight, you're gonna live there and you're gonna breathe all this stuff in after all the vaccines that we take to protect you before you go there. And then you're gonna come back. People are gonna get sick. When you take anywhere between a month, well, a million and however many million of soldiers, sailor, airmen, Marines that rotated in and out of Iraqi freedom over the number of years, people have pre-existing health conditions they don't know about, people are vulnerable, people, it. I mean, the numbers just challenge us. There's so much that is in that area of the world that we are never exposed to as Americans because we live in a good place. Our food is safe, our water is safe. And generally the things that we work with are very clean and very safe. 
And that's the, that's the environment that my body grew up in. And then we decide we're going to deploy and put it into a polluted area like that. Um, your people are going to get sick. I mean, I was part of the desert storm respiratory test syndrome uh, program. I'm sorry, where I breathed in, you know, the effluent from burning oil fields for months and months and months at a time. Um, your nose plug, it collects all of that residue up and you're blowing snot boogers. I mean, oil boogers, you know, for, for six months afterwards, just because your body's trying to purge all of the contaminants out of you. So my only point is, there's a lot to worry about when you operate in that area of the world and burn pits is just one of them. So I wouldn't necessarily get focused on just one cause. It's probably a number or a combination of, of issues that has caused our service members to get sick. I think the, the PACT Act was pretty comprehensive in toxic exposure. It's just the, the headline the headline is uh, burn pits. And, and, and remember, when we went into Afghanistan, Uzbekistan in its history was an open air chemical weapons test facility for the Russians. Uh, so it's not like that stuff completely goes away, right? And we, we deployed right into it because we needed a lily pad to go into Afghanistan. But when, my only point is when you go into other places of the world, sometimes it's polluted. Hmm. There's definitely a lot going on. There's, I mean, Jiminy crickets. So <laughs> what, uh, when you went and, and did all this in Iraq, now, did you did you go in mop gear? Were you afraid to touch things like you're you're specifically going to seek out these chemicals and biological, radiological, nuclear uh, weapons or, or at least particulates? Yeah. Um, so that's so that's like that's like that's like asking an infantry person who goes to basic AIT ranger school, trains and trains and trains for five years and says, I'm going to force you to go deploy. I mean, it's game day for us. That's what we train to do. That's we're, we're not pretending to do it anymore, right? We're not we're not fairy dusting anything. We're not simulating anything. No, I I spent thirty years as a CBRN gag warrior, and um, I had another opportunity to actually do it. In fact, I would submit to you that the team that I was on is one of the few teams in the world that went in in a combat or post-combat environment and conducted what is traditionally a military task, right? Because the instruments for chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear warfare were either in the laboratory or Department of Defense had a monopoly on it. But because we have companies like Rigaku and Raman spectroscopy that fits in my backpack, I'm able now to issue that to train civilians to augment what military forces need. And what we were trying to do is give them a non-kinetic threat overlay of the battlefield that they were not interested in because it wasn't part of the maneuver countermaneuver fight, right? It was everything around them. Um, so they knew exactly what I knew. If you have to go fight in Mosul, it's 210 chemistry laboratories, right? Yeah. Don't step in the puddle. Um, don't step in the puddle. Don't step in the puddle. 
But so, I mean, now we're able to do that. There are a number of people in the world that, that read about chemical warfare agents. They train, but they've never gone into a combat environment and actually faced it. Um, so no, to answer your question, I was enthusiastic. Um, I was um, sort of in a pleasant state of paranoia because right? I was happy <laughs> to do, but I knew what the threat was. And I I had sort of, I, 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 I read and read and read and read and practiced and trained. And, and now I had this device that I was able to do what a field lab could do. And now I could make split second decisions on on what it, what I needed to do. I'll tell you, I did my surveys a little bit differently and I don't recommend that anybody does this, um, but I did it and it served me well. What I learned as a civilian doing toxic chemical survey is my number one sensor is the six, six inches between my ears. It's everything that I learned, everything that I trained. It's thinking about what I'm doing and not being constrained with a mask or constrained respiratory breathing or having gloves on or anything like that. Um, my second best sensor was my nose. Remember, chemical warfare agents were designed to incapacitate. They weren't designed to kill. So what I did was I planted an engineer flag, which is a small little flag, maybe, I don't know, three or four inches by sometimes they're triangles. Most of the time they're rectangles. And I placed that near the objective that I was doing. As an example, um, we at Mosul Airport, we had 80 demining experts at the cost of about $250,000 a day going through and identifying and removing IEDs that were seeded by ISIS. So think of an international airport, unusable because there's so many IEDs. There's this concerted effort to clean it up, build it up and get it up and operating again. They came across an unexploded improvised chemical, I'm sorry, improvised rocket that was buried three feet into the ground. And when the demining expert went up to it, it had a black oily substance, kind of watery that they could see. That's an indicator for mustard. And they so they stopped everything. They backed off and we did, you know, end of day report. And I said, hey, my name is Jeff. That's what I do. Let's go out tomorrow morning. So I planted that engineer. For, oh yeah, game on. <laughs> so I planted the flag. I love it. <laughs> I planted the flag. So I always knew where upwind is. So I approached the target from upwind. So if there's a vapor hazard, it's going downwind, right? Yep. I came up from, from upwind and, and I could smell something that was not a chemical warfare agent. Didn't smell like new mown hay. It didn't smell like freshly cut grass. Didn't smell like anything that was out of the ordinary that should be in the desert. And here's, an, here's a great example of the utility of this device. This rocket was buried no, no less than three feet into the ground. I took a wooden dowel and I dipped it into the hole to get it, to get my sample. So it got the dowel wet, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to take my device and drop it in there and then turn the laser on or anything. I took a sample on the wooden dowel. I wiped it off a one inch cotton swab that I raided from the medic's backpack. I double bagged it in Ziploc and then I brought it back to the car and it was ammonium nitrate. It was an explosive, right? And so 80 people were hovering over Jeff. And all of these 80 people, the most brave, gun-ho, barrel-chested, beady-eyed warriors I've ever worked with when it comes to chemical warfare agents, 
they all get back at me. <laughs> they, well, they, yeah, they, I mean, look yeah. at what they don't so, understand. What you don't no, they understand. Don't they don't get it. And so I, I ran it. I ran the test. Forty five seconds. I said, gentlemen, it's not, it's not, it's not mustard. They're like, what, what is it? I said, ammonium nitrate. And they're like, yeah. So game back on. They were able to take that <laughs> yeah. two hundred fifty thousand dollar contract every day and put it back in a motion, not lose money, not lose time. I had a gentleman came up to me and told me, he said, I know you would take offense to it, so I'm not going to do it. But I had horrible dreams about body parts coming out of my forehead last night. And I just, I, I want to kiss you right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Thank you very much. And they all went back to work. So that's, that's an example of the device and how we used it. Inadvert, I mean, and another story, we did come across an improvised mortar device, a mortar round at that same um, facility. Um, so think of, um, it looked like it was 3D modeled, the, the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the mortar body, because it was plastic. And, you know, more, most mortar rounds, they'll have a head, a body assembly, and then sort of the, the back end of it where the firing pin is, and you launch it, and it projects it, and then it blows up. Well, this is not a smart munition, but it was supposed to, the design was break up on impact. Well, it didn't break up on impact, and it was just kind of laying there. Um, so that was the utility. I was able to, we were able to put a $250,000 contract a day back into play because in 45 seconds, I had to report. Now, here's a beautiful thing about the device that Rigaku has devised. Not only does it give me the report, it gives me what we call spectra. Spectra, think of your EKG. You've got the squiggly lines on a piece of paper. You know, they go from left to right. And it's normally it's your heart rate and some other things. Only this is... You have a number of lines and they're, they're, they're detailing the response of that molecule to the passive laser. So I'm able to take that digital spectra if I don't have, it's, it's it, in, in my digital library, I'm, I'm able to send that to reach back to somebody in a laboratory with a larger library than, than 12 or 15,000. And then they can uh, presumptive idea for me, and it's that quick. So at the end of the day, if you if you have spectra and you're able to push that back to reach back, you really don't have any unknowns. You just have something that is not in your library at the moment. All right. And both of so both cool. of you look like you're taking notes. You're either looking at your. I I, have, I, I looked know. up Rigoku okay. and I was like, it's based in Massachusetts, and I was like, all right, how much does this thing cost? Uh, we have to. Do I, do I need one? We have to. So. <laughs> We have so, to kind know, of keep keep up. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other thing is because it does, I, I call it, it doesn't just do chemical warfare agents. It does chemistry, right? So I can do the same thing with homemade explosives. That's what I was doing at, 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 at the Mosul University, right? We were identifying exactly what they were looking for, what they took, what they left behind, kind of the mess. The same thing is good for pharmacology. So I can take, you can, because a pill laced with fentanyl is a solid, powder or a liquid, I'm able to, to approach the same, um, the, approach it the same way with a Rogaku device. And yes, um, with a with a, just a few constraints in terms of concentration um, or, you know, parts per million, if there's fentanyl in that pharmacy, um, Rogaku analytical devices can 
find it in presumptive ID. Um, there are a few cases where the fentanyl concentration is just so, so, so low, or maybe the fentanyl's on the backside of the pill, you know, where the laser's not addressing it. I mean, those sort of things. But pharmacology, um, you talked about grocery stores, Jeff, absolutely. You can test, you know, random tests, some of the pharmacology coming in there. If it's in a blister pack, that's transparent. And you can, you can see if that pharmacy is polluted with something or it's traced or laced with something. Pharmacies use it all the time. Absolutely. First responders, law enforcement, um, it's, it's chemistry, right? It's right. chemistry in my hands. Well, that's, um, well, there's a lot. Uh, and I, I think there's probably a lot more to learn. So where, where can people do that? Where can they find out more? Uh, RegakuAnalyticalDevices.com. Go to our website. Um, if you've got my name there, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, find me on LinkedIn and uh, you'll find the right links to get you to, uh, to Regaku Analytical Devices. Um, I, in terms of comparison, the device is a lot less expensive than that $1.2 million combat vehicle that I had. Right? So the prices really, really come down a lot. Um, you, have, you have the same or better technology, and you can actually carry it. I mean, the experts at Regaku will give you a price quote for each one. Um, but when you think about what you're able to do with the device live saved um, and the quick manner in which you can do a survey, it's absolutely incredible. That's outstanding. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for downloading all of that to me. I'm going to put my central uh, brain housing group in work and to work and and try to figure some of this out because uh, again this is another topic where it's frightening to think about the stuff that's out there do we do we have any more time can I tell you one more story how, super yep how much time do we have 50 minutes, minutes. great I got it. <laughs> so remind, remind, remember when you were on airborne status and you had a plane full of pay hertz? You, you don't. You know, okay. So in the army, if you're on airborne status, you have to do one jump every three months in order to maintain proficiency. And I think back in the day, I was getting like a hundred dollars a month, which is not a lot of money until you don't get it that month. And then it was like, mm -hmm. where's my hundred bucks. Right. Right. So so you had to do that for three months and weather would get in the way, work would get in the way, staff would get in the work in the way. Sometimes you just, I don't want to be cold today. So you get to do it some other time. Anyway, when you're a pay hurt, when the army says you're a pay hurt, you only have one more jump or we're going to take away your hundred dollars a month. At the end of every month, the army used to take a plane full of paratroopers and load them up with pay hurts because they had to get the money. Right. And your jump master, if you had a good jump master, it didn't matter what the wind was like on the on the drop zone. If he heard five to ten knots, he turned around or she turned around and said, one to five knots, stand in the door, you're going. Because if you you get in the way of a pay hurt and they're hundred dollars a month, there's something that's gonna get broken. I'm just telling you. Anyway, okay, so five minutes. Um Ukraine presents an interesting environment. So Rogaku analytical devices, it's great at chemistry. So we have toxic industrial chemicals in Ukraine. Remember that nitric acid plant that got toasted with munitions? That's an incapacitant. It's got a, it's, it's a, it's a 
contact hazard. It's got a respiratory hazard. Raman spectroscopy works on this. Ukraine has a long history of manufacturing fertilizers. There's a lot of nitric acid all over. There's a couple of nuclear power plants, right? There's a lot of pharmacy. There's a lot of there's a lot of chemistry on the battlefield in Ukraine that hasn't been brought in, right? That we need to be able to survey and inform the troops of what they're doing and how they go about it. Now, here's one of the challenges I think with, with Ukraine, because I think it's normally, it's one of the questions I always get asked, do you think chemical weapons will be employed in Ukraine? And here's my point. My answer to that is, um, um, first of all, Ukraine presents what we call a hybrid threat that was really kind of maturing in Syria. What I mean by that is if somebody employs chemical weapons in Ukraine, attribution is going to be nearly impossible because to the best of my recollection, my recollection, and I only read the newspaper, the combatants on the battlefield are the Ukrainians, the freedom fighters that they called in, every other Joe and Jane that wants a, a combat good time is flying over there and doing it. Um, couple of Americans I've read um, have, have been fighting in Ukraine. We have the Russian army. We have the mercenaries employed by Russia. We have prisoners from Russia. We have North Korea offered troops. Iran has supplied drones and who else? So you have, how many people do you, it's not our, your Ukraine and Russia on the battlefield dueling it out. So if chemical weapons are employed, prove that I did it and not one of the other 17 organizations that are playing having a good time on this battlefield. If Russia does do it, here's what I would tell you. In World War I, we had about a 20% dud rate. In other words, the chemical munition did not deploy as designed. So it hit the ground, it broke, or it didn't break, but it didn't go boom. If the munitions are presented in Ukraine, and if they are weaponized munitions from whatever country, and I'm not suggesting one country or another, I'm just saying that it is likely filled that, that they were filled in the 80s or the 90s. Hmm. And chemistry inside a metal is a caustic, literally a caustic combination. The chemistry will eat away at the metal, right? And it'll mess with the integrity of it. My point is, planners should consider that if chemical munitions are employed in Ukraine, the dud rate is going to be closer to about 30 or 35 percent. Here's what that means. That chemical artillery round on Main Street in Ukraine is going to break open. It's going to have a vapor and it's going to have a liquid hazard. You're not going to have vapor sensors that'll pick it up because the parts per million doesn't provide enough of a sample for that detector to pick it up and squawk, right? Gas, gas, gas. It just isn't there, but you're not, you don't want to parade Mrs. Smith's kindergarten class by this munition. You need something like a Rigaku analytical device to presumptive ID exactly what it is. If I know it's nerve agent, then I can barricade it. If I can't, if I can't disable it and remove it to destroy it, then I can barricade it. I can contain the hazard and I can keep the population away from it. Hmm. So knowledge is power, as always. Knowing what it is helps you to decide what's next. You've been very tolerant at listening to me speak for 20 minutes. Ah. I appreciate it. No, you've been, <laughs> you've been tolerant with uh, speaking to people who have to 
at least in my case, take a minute to process because it's uh, it's all new. It's a it's a new realm for me um, in a backpack. That's from one from a truck to a backpack. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, this is a business where it's, you're taking care of a threat that nobody really wants to think about. We mm -hmm. all, in, in other words, if we do our job very well, you don't have to consider all the possibilities that we just kind of went over, right? You just, it, everything is good. We're going to, we're going to go on with our daily life. So. Uh, well, thank you for thinking about that. So I can um, use my brain to think about other problems like what I'm going to have for lunch. So I want to thank you for being here and thank you for for doing all that you do. Um, for the alphas out there, we're going to we're going to recap with the words that we we can pronounce. I think Ashley can probably pronounce more than I can. Um, and we're going to do that uh, as soon as we come back from this break. The American Legion is raising awareness about PTSD and veteran suicide by offering hope, camaraderie, and support. Be the one to help end veteran suicide. The goal of the American Legion's Be the One campaign is to destigmatize asking for mental health support. Be the one to ask a veteran in your life how they're doing. Be the one who saves one veteran. Go to betheone.org and help the American Legion end veteran suicide. Will you be the one? Wow, that was a lot of danger unveiled to me. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk, touch, look at any surfaces again without being fear of uh, being chemically altered. I don't know. Do you have any takeaways from that? Um, yes, I, I'm horrified at everything. One of the things that he said was if you are walking uh, somewhere uh, and you know, like you're, this is part of your whole mission and you see a puddle on the floor, never assume it's water until you test it because it could dissolve your shoes. And I was just like, well, I will never see water the same again. Let me, I'm testing my glasses. It's going to be water. tough on your runs that, yeah, that stop Good every point. couple steps and go, what is it? And then pull out your what tester. But it is a backpack tester, as he talked about, so it'll be easy. I can run with it. I'm, uh, I'm. It's, it's. I'm glad that there's people like him out there. Um, I'm fearful when they tell me all that they know, because yeah. now I can't, I can't unknow it. I was blissfully ignorant, and now I know that the the world is even more dangerous than I already thought it that it was. We're just going to have to just resign ourselves to accomplishing nothing. To the danger. Leaving the house. To the danger. Yeah. And now we're going to get into one of my favorite parts of the show. Ooh. I mean, besides when the camera first shows our faces. That's, yeah. I love those. I love that moment. Because mm -hmm. I can hear America collectively going, aw. No. We are Except for the people theater. that only listen. Why do you only listen? You're missing. All of it. Uh, okay, we're now going to enter this. We're, we're showing up on the range, we're locked and loaded, and it's about time for rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> rapid fire one. Be the one to take center stage at California Revitalization. This is from that illustrious journalistic website, the American Legion, legion.org. Military veterans, service members, and their families in and around Merced, California, are invited to a special veterans awareness campaign that will include free, VA, 
claims assistance, discussions on reducing the rate of veteran suicide, and more. The event takes place from February 17th to 19th. You can still come. At the American Legion Post 83 at the Veterans Memorial Building, 939 West Main Street in Merced. Officers and staff members from national headquarters and the Department of California, along with local members, will be available throughout the three-day event. On February 18th, American Legion Post 190 member Jeffrey Freeman and Department of California Chaplain Dave Wayland will present on the organization's Be the One initiative. The goal of Be the One is to reduce the rate of veteran suicide by reducing the stigma of mental health treatment and empowering everyone to be the one to act accordingly when a life, when the life of a veteran is at risk. They left out an important part in this story. The Jeff Daly will be in attendance and speaking. They've oh. given me a, they've given oh me a time limit, but <laughs> there's very little chance that I'll be sticking to that. All right. <laughs> I love when Holly has an opinion about what I say. First, she shakes her head. She puts her head in her hand. And then she says something that I can't hear. So I only read it as praise. You should. That's all I read it as is praise. Mm -hmm. So, all right. You're, you're, getting into the, you're getting into this game. What do you, I, revitalization is a membership thing uh, that's, we're trying to boost the, the membership in an area. And obviously you're familiar with Be The One. Make the American Legion cool again. That's what we're trying to do. revitalize. Throw some miracle grow on it. Everybody join. I think this is great. This sounds like an awesome event. They're gonna um, we're gonna you know push the be the one initiative, which is fantastic, and also just you know including the free VA claims assistance. I mean, there's so many people that are frustrated frustrated by that process. You know, you how many things fall by the wayside because you're just like I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to put, I have to make four, 400 phone calls to get somebody to care about my tinnitus that we, everybody has. You Which know, is, so. it, it's true though. I actually did put that stuff off for, for years. Cause I, I, I applied for my own increase, mm -hmm. not knowing that there's, there's language you have to use. Uh, there's, specific things they're looking for, which to me is weird because every human being is by definition different. Um, yeah. But they have standard words that you have to use. And and I got help and, and later on, and so I know the benefit. So go out there for the claims. Also, you can meet somebody who knows Ashley Gudermuth, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How nice. I mean, she won't be there herself, but. I know her, so mm. you, you got that. All right, we're ready for, oh boy, alphas. If you've been around with us from the beginning, this story is going to resonate with you. We now may have a peek into the solvency of the scourge, or is it score, is scourge, right? Yes, of the scourge that is Fort Hood. Rapid fire number pew pew two. Military police commander at Fort Hood suspended. This is from armytimes.com, reporting on their own. Mm. I love that, armytimes.com. The Army has suspended the commander of Fort Hood's 89th Military Police Brigade. Officials announced the suspension of Colonel Ann Meredith at the Texas installation on Monday, stripes.com re previously reported. 
The suspension, here's, here's where it gets weird to me. The suspension follows the October suspension of her husband, Colonel John Meredith, formerly, uh, whoop, Holly's curses in my way, formerly uh, in a command position with 1st Cavalry Division. Both suspensions were amid ongoing investigations, officials said. A company that gets suspended together stays together. That's, mm -hmm. that's my takeaway. Um, I, you know, they never say why people are suspended. It's always a loss of confidence, right? But yep. I would call this one probably just fraternization. Um, colonel to colonel fraternization. <laughs> married <laughs> fraternization. I don't know what's what the deal is there, but <clears throat> that's interesting to have over a few months. But it would add up, right, in the bureaucracy. They're just like... Few months later, you know what? Let's let's see what's going on here too. Yeah, let's just. I w I wonder if we'll ever know what this investigation. Now, usually with officers, it'll they get to resign and they don't get fired and. It's uh, well, you know. I think if you follow maybe some of the uh, the pages where they talk about. Like people will be like, well, I knew them. And then you get out all of these, like the telephone game of what, what happened. And it, even then, you know, you never know. I remember this one time, this is when I really learned that the things that people say on the internet or even that they experience are not at all accurate. I was involved in, it was like Christmas Eve. I was in an active shooter situation, a real one uh, at a mall. And uh, somebody thought that somebody was shot. They screamed, he's got a gun. And then everybody started running and just running in all these different directions. So there's a whole big thing that happened in the in the middle there. But when uh, I finally made it out to the car, I went on Twitter to see, like, does anybody know what's happening? The police were there in seconds. And there were tons of people that were like, I saw him. He had a gun. He did this. It was so scary. All these people are locked up. They're holding these people hostage turn into this big thing. And um, it turns out it was just somebody had bumped a table and some glass broke and no, nobody saw any of that, <laughs> that stuff. So I don't know. I think we'll just never know unless you ever meet the Merediths and you're like, guys, just, I won't tell anybody. I mean, What'd I just want to know, I want, and it makes sense to me because the dysfunction at the, at that place. And I mean, the most, the most notorious is, um Vanessa Guillen but mm. there have been like we used to t didn't we used to talk about them almost every month like every other episode I was like this place is the base that just keeps on giving for us and I I said it back a couple of years ago I mean it's to the point where I think they should bulldoze the place down and start over yeah. it's it's it, they it's seem tainted. to have issue after issue. Why why does that keep cropping up at that place? I don't know. It's terrible. It might be in this investigation. I mean, you never know. We'll, we'll never know. We'll never know. Well, we'll find out. All right. We can also, you know, we can we can pray for a solution. Wait, what? We have rapid fire number pew 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 three. <laughs> Think about praying for a solution. Uh, this is from legiontown.org. Yes, I'm still running and I need your vote to become mayor of legiontown.org. Mm. Uh, Ford Chaplain's remembrance ceremony happened. It, this one's actually, this one comes all the way from Com Camp Humphreys in South Korea. Um, I don't know what OT is. Anybody? 
they work in overtime over there in South Korea. I'm, it's probably some military thing that I, I just don't know off the top of my head. Uh, this is February. This is from February uh, 3rd, 2023. Paul E. Finn Memorial Post 37 and Louis L. Millet Post 38 conducted a joint for military remembrance for chaplains remembrance ceremony. The ceremony was held at the Ford Chaplain's Chapel on Camp Humphreys, South Korea. It was 80 years ago, it's been 80 years, that four Army chaplains, Methodist Christ, Methodist Church Minister George L. Fox, Reformed Rabbi Alexander D. Good, Reformed Church in America Minister Reverend Clark V. Poling, and Roman Catholic priest Father John P. Washington were aboard USAT Dorchester. Dorchester was struck by a German torpedo and sank in the North Atlantic. The four chaplains gave up their own life jackets to others and drowned after helping dozens of soldiers into lifeboats. The four chaplains were locked in arms together in prayers as their final act. 674 perished out of the 904 aboard the Dorchester. This is submitted wow. by Don Wong. He's Department of Philippines Public Affairs Officer. Look at look at Legion LegionTown.org stepping up. Stepping up. We got professionals submitting. Thank you, Don. You're amazing. All right, Ashley. Have you? I'm, I'm, this is the month. This is the month. Um, uh, four chaplains happened. Uh, we actually we actually haven't done ours yet. Ours will be uh, it's later in February, one of our meetings. But uh, I've seen this I've seen this this uh, ceremony um, multiple times at mm -hmm. my post district, only post and district. It's it's actually uh, quite touching, and I think uh, men and women in cloth. I think this is this is what the good ones aspire to be selfless mm -hmm. um having they clearly must have a faith in the afterlife um if this is what they're doing and i i, I just think that selfless uh service to others because you know chaplains are officers they could have bowed their way on one of those lifeboats but they they stayed with they stayed with their flock if you will yeah, I mean, what a tremendous, uh, I mean, literally giving up their own lives, life jackets and knowing what was going to happen. Um, it's what a tremendous story. I don't know. Do you feel like you could do it? Um, you know, it's funny. I found that in life, people say, if I think that I would do it, I, I probably wouldn't. And if I say that I wouldn't, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Those are the people that in the moment could. Um, I this would this would be a tough one. Uh, I probably I would probably in my inflated sense of self think I don't need a lifeboat or a life jacket. I'll just get in the water and contrary to spirit. Contrary to stereotype, I can swim. I will get there. I will get to safety on my own. Yeah, I would. I would think like that in the moment. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. 
because yeah, I think you know I'll, you let, have I'll let you I'll let you other people who need those things now I no I <laughs> I do think that I hope that I would let's let's put it that way yeah I have a bit of a hero's complex I've always had had one I remember uh, hoping that my school would burn down when I was in second grade so that I could uh, pull a vine from a tree that was outside the window and then grab my teacher and put her on a chair so she was comfortable and then swing her outside of the burning building to safety. And that's the, that's where, where it all started. I feel like we need to unpack several things about that story. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't have candles or matches or anything near you right now, do you? Uh, not right now, no. Okay, but, good. And I never started the fire. But you know what? If I had thought about it at the time, dang it, Jeff, where were you when I was in second grade? <laughs> <sighs> we don't want to talk about that. All right. We are going to move <laughs> the end of the show. Do you have any shout outs for anyone? I have no shout outs except to Mr. Jeff Daly of the Michigan De Dailies. Of the Michigan Dailies. Hey, I'll shout you out back. I, I kind of want to shout out, wait, which we're going to talk about at another time, but I have been fortunate the last couple of months to keep running into uh, former guests and Holly's over there saying Bobby and the way that they say Bobby, who's out of the Newport, I think he's Newport, the Newport Post and he's a Iron Riders uh, reenactor and he actually rides those bikes from the Buffalo Soldiers <clears throat> and then oh, cool. uh, Trina Clayu I ran into a little bit ago. So I keep running into to former guests and it's it's awesome to meet them in real life for the first time. It just like you probably have with. Uh, oh, no, I witnessed it. People who have met you for the first time after you're being in their TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, you had to pick them up. after They swooned. They passed out. We had to give them some yeah. honey. Maybe a I mean, <laughs> honey, you give them some honey. Yeah, yeah, the sugar helps them helps their, you know, emotions get back into check. But who, who comes up with honey in the emer? Hey, anybody got any honey? We have so many. You keep a pocket here. full of honey just in case people swim. All right. I mean, that's a different story. I may call. Never mind. Pocket All full right. of honey. That's going to be our band name. <laughs> Never mind. All right. Why don't you take us home, please? Hey, everybody, don't forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Please leave us a review and give us a big old five-star rating or I will haunt you in your dreams so the world knows how much you love us. If you have a guest recommendation, go to legion.org forward slash Tango Alpha Lima and click on the suggest a guest link. We want to talk to your friends, your family, your loved ones, your enemies, and bring them to us. Yes, and uh, if you're an unmarried lady, bring yourself because Jeff Daly, again, on Valentine's Day, looking for the love of my week. And I would be happy, I would be happy to dedicate my life, now my week to you so that I can join our auxiliary. And then we can, uh, you know, we can stay married for the tax breaks and you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But um, Alphas, I hope you find love or enjoy the love that you already have. Please love the one you're with. Don't be a statistic. Mm -hmm. And we are going to see you again soon because I don't know about you, but I'm ready to declare season, season four, episode one, four, six, mission complete.